so never, never interrupt me, okay? It's Friday, it's 10.30, it's time to party. I'm your excellent host. Remember that time we partied with Anthrax? Yeah, <laughs> we were cool. <laughs> Why don't you call me some time when you have no class? What's up? Welcome to The Lighter Side of Dark, the two greatest podcasters of your generation could not make it today instead. Please welcome your hosts, Solio and Smith. I want you to put your hands together and welcome him to the stage. Big round of applause. And welcome everybody to uh, Lighter Side of Dark episode 20, what is it Paul? I think 21. I think 21. we said 21 we, what a, what we decided. Great. What a great year, 21. What did you do for your 21st birthday? For my 21st, uh, my... my. How many years ago was that, by the that way? That was 21 years ago. <laughs> really? I doubled in age since then. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, uh, all right. So what did you do for your 21st birthday? Tell me about that. Um, my college girlfriend dumped me the night before, and then my friends took me out to Bennigan's, I think, and I was the most depressed I'd ever been. So it was a great birthday. It was really fantastic. Wow. <laughs> So, so... Uh, Things have gotten a lot better since then. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I've seen your wife. Things have definitely gotten a lot better. <laughs> um, so what, she, so she, what she dumped you the night before, were you, were you being a jerk? Were you being no, a this male, was, was kind this, of, we met... Or this or is this a bitches be crazy kind of thing? I think this was, uh, we met before we got to college thing, and she realized, oh, there's a thousand other guys that I could maybe potentially meet. We were young, you know, I just... And what were the odds that one of them was going to be better looking than you? I know, right? What so the odds? Only, only uh, this huge campus <laughs> of the University of Florida and all these young, handsome, rich kids. I, I was, uh, so I decided, you know what, maybe it's best to just find my way instead. So your friends took you to Bennigan's, and uh, obviously they were big spenders. Cause, uh, that was it. That was our college top-end treat was go to Bennigan's on the weekend. So I asked you about your 21st birthday. Now you can Tell me. ask me about mine. How? I, I can only imagine. So what, what? Mine was significantly better. And here's why. I was working for the uh, Indiana State Medical Licensing Board. It was the first job I got out of, uh, uh, out of college. And I, was, I wasn't the exam coordinator. I worked in the exams department. And we, we governed all of the medical bodies in the state of Indiana, doctors, uh, nurses, both RN and LPN, uh, the dental board, chiropractic board, hearing aid dealers, people who do hearing aids, physical therapy, all the, if you had to get a license, you had to kind of go through our agency. All right. Well, the, uh, I'll never forget this, the president of the nursing board was a lady named Dolores Brown. Dolores was a sweet lady. Probably I don't know, in her sixties, and she just she was just she just thought I was the cutest thing in the world, and I always flirted with her. It was really kind of a fun relationship. And she said, um, "Oh well, next week are the RN boards. I'd like you to uh, come along and assist." I said, "Sure, no problem. It was an easy gig." Well, it was at the the uh, it was called the it was called Hinkle Fieldhouse. It was where the Indiana Pacers used to play in the ABA like eons ago, late sixties, early seventies. Well, there were 600 nurses taking their board exams over three days. And uh, Dolores, uh, because uh, I had a great voice, and I'd like to think I still do, she said, I'd like you to do the instructions and uh, get the girls started. Because she goes, I don't like to go up there and read all that stuff, and you read so well, and you sound so great on a microphone, and so on. Well, so I got up there, and she said, uh, she says, okay, ladies, my name is Dolores Brown. I'm president of the nursing board. Congratulations on your next endeavor. The, the boards are going to be going on all day today, all day tomorrow, and all day the next day. I'd like to introduce uh, Mr. Rob Smith of the Health Profession Service Bureau, and he will go over your instructions for the test. And then she winked at them and said, oh, by the way, girls, he turns 21 today. And I got this like round of applause as I'm walking up there. There's 600 pretty much hot nurses out there taking the boards. Now, I don't know how it happened, but word got around and somehow, I don't know how, word got around to some of these girls that I had influence somehow in their nursing scores. I don't know how it got started. Um, so at the end of the, that day, at least 20 girls approached me and, and, and were talking to me about how great I sounded on a microphone. I know they're kissing up because they think for some reason I'm on the nursing board. And all I did was work for the state agency. But I, 
I admit, I, I, maybe, I don't think I told them if I did or did not. You probably didn't tell them. And um, four of them invited me to come to their hotel that night. They were having a big after-exam party where they drink a little bit and kind of loosen up. So, yeah, I spent the night in a hotel room with nine hot nurses, most of them in pajamas or various types of nightwear. Um, and I don't drink. So I was sober for the whole thing. So I just want to make, I just want to see, just to see if our listeners have this straight. I spent my 21st birthday getting dumped, drowning my sorrows in cheap American Pilsner out of Bennigan's. You got to lecture 300, 600, 600 hot nurses, go to a hotel room with nine of them and have a basically a slumber party. Yeah, definitely. I think you had a better birthday than yeah, I did. Yeah, we, we'd probably have to go to the listeners to be... Well, we'll have them vote on it. Okay. Who, who do you think had a better birthday? Yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, I... It's going to be close. I don't like polls, but I think in this case... Uh, well, I bet a few of them ended up liking polls. I would, I would poll kind of, kind of high there. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, another crazy week. Uh, we, we literally just got a call from one of our listeners before we started this week's podcast with kind of some bad news, uh, some friends of, of ours, mine and his, mutual friends, whole entire family sick with COVID now. Crazy. Whole Who, entire family. Who'd have thought opening up the entire state and country was a bad idea when this wasn't even under control? Well, it, it, the reason, I don't know if you heard him, he said uh, the father, the patriarch of the family, went to one of the casinos as quickly as he could and spent all day uh, using the, the adage, I wore my mask, but that's that's not everything. And, and those those buttons on those slot machines are just petri dishes yeah. for this stuff. I would argue gloves are as important, if not more so, than a mask because the things we touch and share and then touch our face, our mouth. Yeah, people don't realize how much they actually touch their face, and I didn't realize it until probably it's been 30 years ago. I took a suggestion from a videographer at the time, and he made a comment about he saw me do something that was, he said, you shouldn't have done that in front of 150 people looking at you. I said, I didn't do that. He goes, oh, yes, you did. And he goes, you should get a video camera and videotape just you behind your your setup at a wedding or a party and watch your body language and watch the things that you do. And you probably remember this from, from DJ training because I tell the story in, in the DJ classes where I didn't realize how many times and during a four-hour wedding, I picked my nose in front of 150 people. Didn't realize how often I would scratch my um, lower hemisphere. Let's just, let, uh, you know, okay, can we say genitals? Yeah, can yeah, we, we could say, say junk. We could say as readjust much. Readjust the package. Okay. I think we have well, that coverage. I, I think in this case, I, I'll just say lower hemisphere. Several times, I caught myself looking at my watch and making a disgusted face like it didn't even look like I wanted to be there yeah like yeah like it's only the, it's only 8 30 these are not good mannerisms to show in front of 150 people but it goes to the point of you don't realize how often you touch your face you don't realize how often you just stick your finger in your nose or you touch the corner of your eye which is an open orifice yeah you, you, you can catch all kinds of stuff yep. in, in that way but the whole family now is sick. They're said they have to send their four children to a high school today to get them tested. And uh, on, on Facebook last week, I, I, I'm respecting my friend's wishes and not using her name. But one of my very close friends, one of my, I call him five forever friends, his wife uh, was hospitalized with COVID last week. And she's got a lot of, a, a lot of multiple medical issues. So she, uh, I just heard she's back home last night i think so, so okay so she's home but according to the doctor they use the term you know you're not uh, not out of the woods yet yeah. well there's you know still evidence that this could leave permanent damage to organs we don't know enough to even uh, you know we're already scared we might need to be more scared because we just don't know yet i don't i don't think it's that we don't know enough i, I really think we actually know enough i just don't think they're doing enough well that yeah that's that's, that's definitely true. that's the problem i think i don't know man it's it's really scary because I'm trying to think of who else. Oh, a, a former employee of mine opened up on Facebook and said, yeah, I've got it. He's a, a server in the Tampa Bay area. Mm -hmm. And I think those people are about as careful as people can get. And they're high risk because they're touching and handling a lot of things. So they're putting themselves in the middle of it. You know, they have to, to be careful to wash and use sanitizer. It's, it's, 
it's just it's too early to start reopening everything. That's just really. And I saw I saw last night on the news, uh, our boy DJT is uh, now using words like, "Well, I'm I'm going to uh, get a pressure, get a pressure the governors to open schools." Pressure? What? What? Whatever happened to states having control of themselves? First of all, this federal government has done very little or nothing to help states. But now suddenly he, he thinks of himself as the as the king, and these are the dukes and the lords of. of oh, I think he's always thought of himself that way. Yeah. yeah. And he's you know I'm going to put pressure on them. Yeah. How about talking to the governors and saying what what are your experts? Why am I wasting my time? I know he's that? just a mafia boss, and that's how he operates. That's period. You know he views everyone as an underling and and a henchman, and no matter what their true role is, that's just all he knows is the grift. It's, it's, it's sad. This is crazy, man. Uh, it's been a... Uh, I, I, I talked to a, uh, one, of our, one of our listeners who was nice enough to shoot me over an email. She was talking about uh, how the Black Lives Matter movement is, is still happening. It's still going on. A lot of people, since it's not being reported in the news as often as it was after the George uh, Floyd murder, you've got a lot of people now thinking, well, it's, it's kind of gone by the wayside. Uh, or it's diminishing. It's it's really not. The the protests are still happening. And she was asking me about that, and she says, gosh, I hope you're not one of those people that say, you know, all lives matter. And though I believe that, I will tell you that something kind of came over me. I'm not stealing this from somebody else. I'm actually uh, uh, doing it myself. I believe that once black lives matter, then all lives matter. I, I see what you're saying. I think by saying all lives matter before we get to the root of the problem, you're minimizing the problem and saying, no, 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 come on, not black lives, all lives. But if we address this problem, which is systemic, then we can include everybody and say, see, all lives matter. I think that's what you're, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I no, think that's I, I kind think of what that's exactly it. Um, the level's got to be raised. The, the bar has to be raised. The expectations have to be raised. What do we expect? What do we want from our government? We want that we want it to be to the point where everyone's treated equally. Then, in fact, all lives will matter. But I also believe that sometimes people are are saying things in a good way. They're trying to be helpful. They're trying to do the right thing. And then sometimes uh, people on the liberal side will make a determination that, well, I, I understand you want to help, but you're not helping in the way that I want you to help. So it's wrong. I think sometimes liberals will go to that extreme, too, where they say, you didn't say it the way I wanted you to say it, so you're a racist, or you're a bigot, or you're a misogynist, or you're this, or you're that. And I think there's, a, there's something to be said for when someone, is, you can tell their heart's in the right place. I think we have to get to that point yeah. in our society. Yes. Where you have to say, okay, th- their intentions were good. And sometimes I've heard people say, intentions don't matter. In my opinion, intentions do matter. Intentions show everything. You know, you can, you can make adjustments, but intentions are, are what you plan to do. Uh, during, during our first segment of every podcast we've done, we try to talk about some serious issues. But I, I like to think we keep it kind of lighthearted, too. I, I, I joke with you and say that, you know... Uh, your your wife is gorgeous and you're a six and you understand I'm meaning that as a joke. I'm not a I'm not a guy who's an expert on guys. I don't know if you're attractive or not. I really don't know. I don't. You know, if I had to go homosexual, if there was a gun to my head, I'd do you, Paul. I mean, that's kind of. Kind I of mean, I guess you know what that it would have to be a big gun. I think that's a compliment, but yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take that. So context is, and anything we talk about in here. Uh, you could say, uh, hey, Rob, we got a bigger studio this week. Why is that? And then you said, uh, obviously, to fit your ego. I get that. I, I, you know, I know you're actually you're probably pretty serious about it. <laughs> anyway, so it's time to do uh, something we started last week. Uh, Trump real or fake? Now, this time it, for, for, for anyone who didn't hear uh, the segment last week, last week, Rob had, what was it, four true statements and one false statement. That is correct. And he read them. Uh, we, we, had, uh, we had them read, and we sort of, I had to guess which one was the fake one, and I, I got it wrong, I believe. Um, this time we reversed it so that I wrote one false statement and four true statements, and we are, now he is going to have to guess, even though he'll be reading them, he still does not know which is which. So we'll see if, uh, if, we can, if Trump can fool Trump today he might might. because i I didn't cheat 
I didn't go looking up these uh, these messages and see if I could figure out which one was real. There's right. so many ridiculous quotes; it's almost impossible to cheat. You'd have to just sort through hours and hours. So I, I believe you. All right. Well, let's go ahead and listen to uh, all of them right now, and uh, and I'll see if I can figure out which is which. So. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to that famous game show: Real Don or Fake Don. <laughs> this game show, you'll be given five quotes from Donald Trump. One of them is made up. Your job is to figure out which one is which. Are you ready? Let's begin. One. To be uh, blunt, uh, people would vote for me. They, they just would. Why? It, maybe it's because I'm so good looking. Number I mean, people ask me about the Trump Foundation. It's a beautiful charity. Just another witch hunt by the do-nothing Democrats, a.k.a. calling it a slush fund because they're jealous of my tremendous wealth. The only slush fund around here is sold by the Indian folks down at 7-Eleven. They're tremendous people, the the dots, but you need to keep their convenience stores and stay the hell out of the uh, hotel business. Number three. While uh, Bette Midler is an extremely unattractive woman, I refuse to say that because I always insist on being politically correct. Number four. I I would bet if you took a poll in in the FBI, I would win that poll by more than anybody has ever won a poll. Number five. As a kid, I was making a building with blocks in our playroom. I didn't have enough, so I asked my younger brother Robert if I could borrow some of his and he said, okay, but you have to give them back when you're all done. I used all of my blocks, then all of his blocks, and then when I was done, I had a great building, which I then glued together. Robert would never, ever get those blocks back. All right, well, Paul, you uh, you did your homework this week. I tried to stump. It's tough, it's tough to stump, stump DJT, but we'll see, we'll see if we can stump him. All right. Um, all right, so the first one, he was uh, talking about how good-looking he is. Okay. And then the, uh, the Trump Foundation. It, it, the reason I think that's probably something he said is the, the um, adjectives that he always uses to describe anything him. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, uh, Trump Foundation, it's a beautiful charity. Have you ever heard somebody say that this charity is awful, it's terrible, please donate, it's an awful, terrible charity? Right. Okay. Um, now, number three, it, it hits me kind of personally when he's talking about Bette Midler being unattractive. Now, is she a stereotypical attractive woman? No, but I guarantee you right now, if you went to my wife and said, what does your husband think of Bette Midler? I would love to party with that woman. She looks like she would be a fun time. She does really look like a partier. Yeah, you know, I mean, if I'm going to you know, pick somebody to have sex with, it may not necessarily be Bette Midler. And then he um, he talks about the the FBI. He would win uh, that poll. See, it, it, the, if you listen to what he says, it becomes a little easier to figure out. And then he talks about when he was a kid. <sighs> that shows you what, what good stuff he's provided over the years to work with. All right. Uh, is it number one or two, three, four, or five? I'm, I'm going to guess it's number four. I would bet if you took a poll at the FBI, I would win that poll by more than anybody's won a poll. The, uh, the one incorrect quote, uh, made-up quote, is actually number two. Oh, you're kidding me. You did that? I made that one up. Dude, that is pure... Ge- and, and, and you got me because cause he's using it's a beautiful charity, um, uh, and then he's called uh, Tremendous. Uh, tremendous. I just picked played on his adjectives. Well, so we're over two, which which goes to show you it's impossible to tell satire Trump from from real Trump yeah, so far. And, and and you being a stand-up comic, we've talked about this before. Comedians nowadays are are well now during COVID they're frustrated because they're not really able to get out there and do it's, their it's craft. It's be different. Yeah. But they talk about how unbelievably easy it is. Uh, he writes their material for for them. That's crazy. So yeah, well, uh, real Trump or fake Trump, Paul, you uh, you got me. Next, next week, I'm gonna see if I can. Uh, we'll see if we could go over ten, then we'll know that that he is a walking satire. No doubt about it. All right, well, that's going to take care of segment number one. We'll be right back after this break with segment number two. Paul's going to give us his review 
of the movie Idiocracy. So thanks for listening to the LSD podcast. Segment number one is now in the can, as they say. We'll be right back. special moments to include beautifully crafted and incredibly delicious cakes. Our cakes are made with the freshest ingredients and custom to your specifications. From weddings, baby showers, to sweet 16 parties, we can make a cake that will be as memorable as your special event. Check us out at OurCubbyCakes.com. That's O-U-R-C-U-P-P-Y-C-A-K-E-S.com and place your order today. My Forever Story. You tell the story, we make sure people hear it. At My Forever Story, you have an opportunity to record your life story in your own word and in your own voice. After you're gone, this story can be played and listened to by all of your family, those who knew you, and even some who never got a chance to meet you. In most cases, it's under $100. We come to you. We sit down with you. You answer the pre-selected questions that you chose, so there's no surprises. The entire process takes less than an hour. You can elaborate as much as you would like. Tell the stories from when you were little all the way up until now. Tell your loved ones your story while you still can. We know how much it means to your loved ones to hear your voice. At My Forever Story, we give you that opportunity. Call us directly at 352-606-0248 or visit the website at my4everstory.com. That's www.my4everstory.com. The testimonials we've received are heart-wrenching. Again, My Forever Story. You tell the story, we make sure people hear it. It's conveniently stored on our national website as an MP3, so your friends and loved ones can listen to your story from their phone or a computer. My Forever Story. Hopefully, you'll take advantage of this opportunity. Call us today, 352-606-0248. We are back for uh, segment number two, LSD podcast. So, Paul, you had a homework assignment for this week. I did have a homework assignment. My favorite kind of homework assignment. Go watch a movie, will (laughs) you? So I got to watch Idiocracy for the first time. I've been aware of the movie for a long time. I'm a big fan of Mike Judge. For some reason, this is one of those that just slipped through the cracks. I never actually saw it. Um, But that's a good thing, I think, in this case, because it's now been almost 15 years. So the movie came out early 2000s. I think we agreed. It was, it was 2006. 2006, something like, something like that. And it's, uh, tell everybody the storyline. What's it based on? So, so the basic premise is that uh, this average Joe gets, he's in the military, and he gets chosen for an experiment. They're going to cryo-freeze him for a year and free him and then see just kind of like, all right, what's different? What's changed? Well, something happens where the whole process the whole the whole program gets shut down i won't give away the entire plot line but basically he and his partner wake up 500 years later played by luke wilson and maya rudolph in this case uh so they realize that slowly as the film but basically everybody in these 500 years has gotten so dumb just based on the trends of, you know, the breeders and the smart people not reproducing, all the dumb people just having a mon- bunch of kids with a bunch of different people. And just it just sort of satirizes that whole idea over a period of 500 years, the dumbing down of America, essentially. And here now, this suddenly this average Joe, Luke Wilson, is the smartest guy in the world. And it, it's, a, it's really not as much of a stretch as, as it should be by now. Because this is where we're headed. You can see, you know, don't forget, this is supposed to be 2,500. So we, he still has about, what, over 300 years to get to that point. Right. So in this movie, the, the part that's supposed to be not very plausible is that stupid people, and the example they use in the movie, stupid people uh, living in trailer parks, having six or seven kids by two or three different women or men, whatever the case may be. And then also talk about language. Oh, just how, like how... How language de-evolved. 
Right. They're just very stu- almost caveman like this. Stu- you know, everything became so the jokes became all about like the, the, the show. The number one show is Al My Balls. Yeah. And just a TV bunch show. of a guy getting hit in his, in his crotch. And, and they, also, and they also have a TV show called the Masturbation Network. The Masturbation Network, which, right. well, I guess they have that. It's just called Pornhub. Pornhub. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it just, yeah, the dumbing down, it, it shows in the language, in the programming, in the, uh, the, this, the science, you know, the fact they're using sports drinks because marketing and and advertising has its tendrils so deep that it so, is. So, so in in the movie gets replaced by something similar to Gatorade. Right now, now think about that though. Uh, one of mine and your favorite comedians, Lewis Black, explained this really well in in his uh, Black on Broadway show, where he holds up a bottle of water. He goes, "We've managed to ruin water." He goes, "When I was growing up, water was everywhere." You could get it from just about any room in your house. You could get free water outside. It's called the hose. They they and the only place they use water in this movie is where? In the toilet. Oh, in the toilet. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. He's yeah. saying, "Oh, you mean like in the toilet?" Yeah. And, and it was just this movie and then so there's another parallel. Another parallel in the movie is Costco. It's the only yeah. place you can buy anything mm-hmm. and it's the size of a city. Yeah, you look he looks over the hill and it's yeah. just he goes, he goes on to the vanishing point. Now, again, Amazon. Amazon yeah. is Costco. Costco is Amazon. I, I, see the, I start to see the parallels here. Yeah. We are, we are dumbing ourselves down. We will believe anything we're told. And also in the movie, there's a, a reality. Yeah, it's got what plants crave. Yeah, it's what, yeah. Electrolytes. It's electrolytes. What that, that, you know, and, and he convinced him he could talk to plants and whatever. Now, I think, the, I think the thing that pushed me over the edge when I first saw the movie was there is no way, not in my lifetime, we would elect a reality TV star as a president. But what happened in Idiocracy, Paul? He was a reality TV slash porn star. Slash wrestler. Slash wrestler. Never in my life did I think, man, I like President Camacho so much more than our current administration. Yeah. He is so much more capable and sympathetic. Yeah, I never and, thought I would live to see that. And, and then you start looking at the president's cabinet. He's he's the Secretary of Defense. How did he become Secretary of Defense? Oh, he won a radio contest. Oh, and also he's the Secretary of the he's the Secretary of of commerce. Why? He's the president's brother-in-law. The nepotism and the stupidity of it all. It was bad then. Now it's idiocracy. Yeah. And I would I would highly recommend. We haven't ruined the movie for you. We no. told you the highlights. I would highly recommend download by uh, steal, find an old VHS, whatever, grab a VCR, do what you got to do, watch this movie. And if you if you don't see the parallels that we do, then you probably shouldn't be a listener of this podcast because we see it as clear as day. It's, it's funny and it's also a little scary because suddenly 15 years later, you're seeing that accelerated in only 15 years. In- We're supposed to have till 2500 to get that done. Right. I don't know. We're already... Past President Camacho now. What do we do? I, I'm really, I, I look at it, I told you, I said, after you see it, would you agree it was more like watching a documentary now than it was watching a comedy? I never thought I would say those words, but if you look at the political aspect of it, absolutely. And the, and the corporate influence of it, absolutely. It's a brilliant satire that is probably a little more true than it should be by now. Well, I'll tell you, it, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. And it's a gift. I bought it Thank for you. you. I want you I to own that because when somebody comes over and wants to start talking politics, they tell you what, let's watch this hour and 47-minute movie, and then we'll talk politics. I'll watch it in another 15 years, too. Yeah, so last week we had uh, uh, we did a little thing, and several people on uh, Twitter, tweeting, tweeting, whatever it's called, and, uh, and, and on Facebook and on email, we got a few people who wanted to know where certain phrases came from. Okay. Last week we talked about the phrase hungover meant that uh, pubs would stretch rope across their place and, and these guys would pay them a penny and they would just hang themselves over the rope and sleep. That's where, where these funny phrases come from. Do you remember got your goat? Remember what that was? Yes, that was, you, you said they would put the goat in the horse stable at a comet yeah, before the race. Goats are very calming. And then they would, the opponents would, would steal the goat out of it and that would kind of undo the, the calming effect right. and they, they got your goat. So basically uh, funny phrases. 
Um, I want to see how many of these you know, and if you don't. I love these. Any, if yeah, I don't know them, I learn something. If I know them, I sound brilliant. That's very true. All right, where does the term cold feet come from? Like, uh, those words, he had, he oh. didn't marry her, he had cold feet. He had cold feet, feet like, like, decide to change. That I, I don't know. And this, this was a, a very eerily specific on the website. Okay. In olden times, that's what it said, in olden, olden times, times, warriors who didn't have shoes or any type of foot covering, their feet would freeze and they would be useless in battle. So they were they were useless in battle, which would meant they had cold feet. They couldn't go into battle. Okay. That's guy that's where the term comes from. He's, he's got cold feet. So a so guy that can't get married, he just he refuses to go into battle. He, he knows can. he's gonna lose. <laughs> yeah, who knew? I don't think it's a rating scale. I'm gonna guess that there was some event Well, I don't know. What what, what do we got? A typical tailor, a typical tailor will tell you that it takes nine yards of premium material to make a fine suit. So, dressed to, to the, the nines. nines, meaning everything is of the finest quality. Yes. It is the finest. Dressed to the nines, nine yards. There were there were a few other definitions in there that or derivations, I should say, from it, but that was essentially it. Here's another one: cat got your tongue. These are a lot of very, very common sayings that we all say. That really, no clue. No clue. Now that you say it, no. Cat got your tongue? No, I don't know what that means. Well, again, this came from the same site. Back in olden times, (laughs) 1970s, no, (laughs) but uh, in olden times, uh, people were flogged in the village square and they were asked to repent their sins or to admit their crimes publicly while they were being flogged with a cat and nine tails. So it's not a reference to the animal. Right. It's, it's a reference to the weapon. A, to the weapon that was used to smack, to flog them and cause them, yes, I did, I cheated on my husband. Wow. You know, cat got your tongue. The cat got your tongue. That is really, and... It's kind of deep. It is very deep. Never, never once did I assume it wasn't about the animal, and never once did I really think beyond, why is it the animal of all this time, so... We're an educational podcast. Yeah. I don't know if people knew that. Yeah. We... Couple, couple more, couple more. Um, the term, uh, he's a sharpshooter. Sharpshooter. I mean, it, in my head it makes sense. Someone who's like a sharp, it's a good shot, but maybe that's maybe that's too on the nose. Maybe it means something. This has one of the simplest definitions okay. ever. The, the best rifle for accuracy in the 1800s was the Sharps Model 115. A sharpshooter, somebody who could shoot a long rifle, would typically use a sharps as opposed to uh, Winchester or whatever. So sharp, a sharpshooter, that's where the phrase became, he's a sharpshooter, meaning he's accurate. So at the time, it was referring to that. But yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I always thought of it as the adjective, not as the rifle. But there you go, learning things. And the last one we'll talk about will be... Uh, Bury the hatchet. I feel like I knew this at one time, but I can't remember. Bury, Bury the, hatchet. the hatchet. I don't remember the story behind it. Bury the hatchet um, is derived from pilgrim times okay. when they would meet a new Indian tribe. They would quickly dig a hole and bury all the weapons, all the guns, all the hatchets, all the bows and arrows. They would literally bury them so they were inaccessible, which forced them to talk to one another and not use weapons. Wow, that would be nice if we could still do things like that. Well, I mean, we, we bury nuclear weapons. The problem is we set them off from time yeah, to time. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, like the Crips and the Bloods, you know, could just like, hey, man, we're going to bury this motherfucking hatchet. <laughs> and go yeah. dig up some some asphalt and put all the gats down in there. Yeah, and there we go. Them in and, exactly. You know, we're going to talk this out if, like if, a if, if only the Hatfields and McCoys had yeah. buried, you know, buried the... Uh, could have learned something. I'm telling you, no doubt about that. So... Uh, yeah, that's our segment of where did these uh, these phrases actually come from, and uh, we should we should try to uh, stump each other on these with uh, with giving two possible definitions. Which we one can do you do think that. it is? You know, I, mean, I bet I, I bet I could trick you. But, I bet you could. We, we saw you, how their Trump you, thing is you going. Proved you can you can trick me. There's absolutely no doubt about that. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up segment number two. Third segment coming your way. Just uh, a few minutes is going to be our Mount Rushmore. And this one's a good one this week. Very specific. Uh, I like as, it. As suggested by one of our listeners, rock bands or bands that replaced their lead singer and still had continued success. That's going to be our Mount Rushmore for, uh, for this week. And we'll be back with segment number three right after this.
you like game shows? Have you ever wanted to be on one? Well, guess what? You don't have to go to California to be on your own game show. Game Show Party, located right here in the Tampa Bay area, will bring all of your favorite game shows to you. Your group, your organization, your company party, or just a group of friends. All of your favorites like Family Feud, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, Pyramid, Match Game, and the Really Wet Game. For more information, visit the website at gameshowparty.com or call directly 727-531-8880. Again, that number is 727-531-8880. Visit the website at gameshowparty.com where you are the contestant. I want to tell you all about my friends at Side Splitters Comedy Club, uh, my favorite place to go in the Tampa Bay area when I need a laugh. They have top quality talent come through all the time, national talent, local talent. Uh, there's always great shows available. So if you've never been to a live stand-up comedy show, I want you to go check one out. They're even better in person. Sidesplitterscomedy.com. You can grab your tickets online. You can even pick your seat. So Sidesplitterscomedy.com. Go check them out. Yeah, it is segment three. It's hard to believe. But these, uh, you know, they say that uh, when you're having a good time, time just moves really fast. Just keeps going. Lies. Uh, I, I, I can't think of the movie, but I remember the quote. There was a guy who said, yeah, time is a, a very weird thing. If you ever grab a hot skillet off the stove and only touch it for a couple seconds, it feels like an hour. But if you have your arms wrapped around a hot woman for an hour, it feels like five seconds. It's <laughs> a really interesting. <laughs> That's funny. All right, uh, our Mount Rushmore segment. Uh, I got to tell you, these are probably some of my favorite things because we have found out a lot about each other. We have found out that we uh, share a lot of the same ideas, and then we always seem like we get. I've noticed three of them we kind of agree on, mm-hmm. and that fourth one seems to be. The, and then it branches, and and then there's all, you know honorable mentions. Even I have trouble sometimes deciding on only four. This one, you know, I I was comfortable with this. Four you can pick. I, I think you could make an argument for, like any Mount Rushmore, there's only four spots. Yeah. So there's always going to be more than are deserve, that more deserving than make it. All right. So this week's uh, Mount Rushmore uh, bands and or rock bands, I, I guess rock bands is what they suggested, but I would say uh, famous bands who have replaced their lead singer and still had continued success. Do you want to, do you want to throw out your first one since I, I went first last week? Right, I'll, I'll do the first one. Um, I'm, I'm sure... This one's on your list. So let's get this one out of the way. Van Halen. Absolutely on yeah, my Van, list. Van Halen. Yes. Uh, or Van Hagar. I've heard people refer to it as Van Hagar. What? You, you didn't like Gary Sharon as the front man? For- <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's really funny that Van Halen had, I, I, I think, what, 17 years, 16, 17 years worth of success. A lot of popularity uh, with Diver Down in the 70s and... Um, the Cradle Will Rock, and a lot of great... But David Lee Roth had a very, very unique sound. And then their biggest album, the one that pushed them over the edge, 1984, which came out in the year of... 1984. Thank you, Paul, for being brilliant. That one gave them the biggest, massive push popularity. It's kind of like when when ZZ Top came out with Eliminator. Mm -hmm. ZZ Top, a great band from Texas, been around for 10 years. That was sort of the mainstream explosion. Well, Van Halen, it was 1984, and then instead of riding that wave of success and coming up with another great album after that, David Lee Roth decides, I've got a solo career. And he does Just a Gigolo and California Girls and then Crickets, pretty much. Living in paradise, just like paradise, I think. was, um, And that really is a shame. Because, like you said, they had just hit their stride. They, it was like at the peak of the early to mid-80s party vibe, excess glam rock. And, and they were kind of tapping into it. And then you just, you know, ego. Yeah. Ego kills so many great bands. So so they go Sammy Hagar, who I think, I, I have heard some of his versions of the original Van Halen songs. And you just keep wanting to hear David Lee Roth. Definitely. And I think what we're going to discover in this bait discussion here is a lot of times they replace the lead singer was someone who was completely unlike the, the the previous one, their predecessor. Yeah. I can only see one one on my list here that I think was synonymous or very similar. I'm, I'm, I wonder if we agree on that one, So, too. yeah, Van, Van Halen uh, or Van Hagar. 
Van Hagar. I, I liked. I mean, Van Halen had a, the the band had a unique sound. So I like it, Love Walks In, which is a great Van Halen song. I I don't know that I could imagine hearing David Lee Roth sing that. It I really only hear Hagar. It really is a tale of two bands. Equal, it really, and they had equal success. It seems like because it's almost like Hagar got in at the right time because then they they started less of the party and more of the ballady, like power ballady, sneaking in there. And love would certainly appear in, in these hard rock songs at probably the right power ballady. The power ballady. Is that a word? Stuff. Power, power ballady. I'm gonna I'm gonna decree decree it a word. So yeah. We can use that. I'll get term in touch now. with Webster's. <laughs> All right, so for the first uh, the first face or band logo we're carving in the Mount Rushmore is Van Halen. Paul, All right, we who got is number uh, two on your list. I will throw out there for my second, even though there's a, a couple of bigger ones. Um, Pink Floyd, I have as my second one up there. Interesting. After Sid Barrett, even though he's obviously David Gilmour and and uh, and Roger Waters, people think of them first. I was thinking of how you framed this, which was bands that found success after they changed lead singers and i know that sid barrett was really important to the beginning sounds of pink floyd but most people i know think of either a david gilmore song or a roger waters song when they when they hear pink floyd i know i do i i do but i realize you know what they may have gotten big with those two but they were kind of i have another band like that on my list too where they started and maybe found success great great success with a different singer but that's kind of what it was right bands who changed lead singers and still went on to have success or great success when 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 did that change occur i think i want to say it was the late 60s was it 68 or am i too early 71 let me do well, do some research on that. I, I can probably, I, you know, what? I can look that up while we're here. I should know that. I, I only should. wish you had a computer right in front of you. I know, if only, because you could look that up and find that out exactly. Well, let me, let me, because uh, they they were not they were not even on my list at all, and I'm sure we're going to find you know some honorable mentions that. But I mean, I'll be honest with you, my eyes kind of lit up. I'm like, wow, I didn't even Pink Floyd never even yeah, entered me. entered entered into my mind. I want to see when, yeah, '68 is when Sid Barrett, I guess, kind of went off the deep end. So it's almost like he helped get them going, and then maybe right when they were starting to get momentum or get get and and it switched, and and he didn't even get to to I guess participate. I can, I can tell you, there's uh, this group is uh, these three groups, excuse me, are not on my list, but I I think it begs to, uh, begs to bring it up. I read Eric Clapton's uh, autobiography. Mm. I, I I'd like to think I'm a fan of Eric Clapton, but he's with he was with Cream. Mm-hmm. Yardbirds, mm-hmm. Derek and the Dominoes, mm-hmm. and all three of them let him go. And the 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 overall theme to the book is Eric Clapton is a dick. Really? Yeah, that's kind of the theme of the book. Because can, can you imagine having probably, arguably one of the best guitarists of all time in your band, or was such a great songwriter? Yeah. And you're willing to let him go. He must have been so difficult to work with. He must maybe he was one of those ego perfectionists type takeover because i mean when i think of let me help you translate a dick a dick yeah Yeah, that's the that's the four the four letter word to put yeah he's probably you know like like how there's there's band members and there's there's bands where you hear whispers usually there's a whisper for a reason is because the guy's a dick so i mean okay he had had, the arbors had a hit with them cream had a hit with them Derek and the dominoes hit with them and all three bands let him go didn't even argue with him. Didn't even try to sue him and keep him from not performing his music with other bands. That's a good point. I kind of always assumed it was the other way around, that he just sort of jumped around or he formed these print bands or projects and jumped around. But it sounds like the history, it's actually the opposite. It yeah. was that they just couldn't stand to be around him. So I'm learning stuff about who's All a right. dick well, today. Here comes, here comes um, my, my second on the Mount Rushmore. You're going with Pink Floyd. Mine would be uh, Genesis. I have them also on on an honorable mention or, or number four. I, I'm kind of, but that's a great one. Yeah, Genesis. Peter Gabriel, Genesis, big success. Ten years uh, with, yeah, as the front man, probably right? Probably like, uh, I think it was 67 to 77, something like that. Uh, not 100% sure on the uh, the timeline. Peter Gabriel left, and they auditioned 100 new singers, from what I read. 100 new singers. Meanwhile. <laughs> and finally, Peter Gabriel, they call him and said, hey, you know, I would do my best British accent. Hey, man, you know, you got uh, this, these three tapes, these three guys. And he goes, uh, and Peter Gabriel's like, dude, let Phil sing. <laughs> Phil's got a great harmonic voice. He harmonizes with anything. You, you, you should probably let Phil it's do like, it. like, I could have solved this problem in five seconds. Why didn't you call me? Right. So Phil, and they had bigger success. They did. 
after Phil Collins. And then he had a solo career, but never quite left the band. So they, they, he'd have a solo album, then there'd be... Then Genesis, Genesis would have another hit. Yeah, it was but, always kind of a... But what's really funny is Genesis, you know, I mean, the beginning of the beginning of all life, the Genesis really happened after Peter Gabriel left. So that's, uh, that's one of the ones on my route, Mount Rushmore. I like it. So I... Uh, tell well, me your next one so I can tell you you're wrong. I don't know. I have a feeling you may have this one on your list. ACDC. Yes, sir. There it is. Right there, yeah, ACDC. That, that's that's uh, uh, you know, uh, that to me that was the first one that came to mind. Bon Scott and 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 uh, it, it, Brian it Johnson. It wasn't my first one that came to mind, but it was my third one that came to mind. Okay. So I'm, a, I'm a big ACDC fan. Uh, a lot of people don't understand how someone can be a fan of Prince and someone can be a fan of James Taylor and someone can be a fan of ACDC. I love everything. It, and it, you it, do too. Yeah. I, I can vouch for that. In 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 my opinion, ACDC. By the way, they do hold. Uh, a, a record. They're the only hard rock slash metal band to have never recorded a ballad. They've never recorded a ballad at all. That's that's a fun fact. Yeah. Because, yeah, that, it wouldn't fit. I mean, whole lot of Rosie's, definitely not yeah, a ballad. Yeah, I, can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine. I'm gonna hold you all night! <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's not gonna... <laughs> I wanna tend to you! Yeah, that's, that sounds exactly like nobody. Uh, <laughs> But no, ACDC, Bon Scott, uh, Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap, Power Age, great albums, and a very, very unique kind of screaming sound to his voice. Um, I love to drive the car to Highway to Hell. It's just, I, I run through stoplights. It's, it's a no great driving album that, that just, it really, it's almost like when he died, ACDC was born. It, it was, it's like he imparted his soul and then boom yeah then they find they find brian johnson i watched there's a great uh acdc back in black documentary about just that album on on netflix there is some fascinating facts about that in terms of like the recording quality which i know you you've you've mentioned before how it's that is sort of the the example right of how to record an album in that back in black was it yeah and mutt lang was the did was he produce the, it yeah he was the producer Shania Twain's ex-husband, and wow. and and after he uh, he married Shania Twain, I would have married him too. Then yeah, he he but he married Shania Twain in her in her physical prime, and he cheated on her with an ugly broad. I'm still trying to figure that out. But no, ACDC, um, Brian Johnson came in. I didn't realize myself until I watched the documentary. Just the album called Back in Black meant okay, we're back, but we're wearing black in mourning for Bon Scott. Yeah, I think that whole album, I think, was like a tribute to him, yeah. and and they they a, a lot of the tragedy of that. I think led to some of their greatest songs, which I guess that happens. Yeah, you know, tragedy leads to great stuff. No doubt. So, uh, so ACDC we've agreed is being carved on Mount Rushmore. We're still we're still back back and forth on a couple others. Uh, who's uh, the next one on your list? I have. Uh, I'm not sure who I want to put as my fourth because I just figured I have a I have a feeling I know who one of yours is. So I'm going to go with someone else, and I'm going to say Journey. They had I think. I want to say four years they were around before Steve Perry. Before they, I think they brought him on to to record "Wheel in the Sky," if I'm not mistaken. I think is is sort of when they they had they had that, and I don't think they recorded it yet. But they wanted a front man who could handle that song. So you're and talking about pre Steve Perry journey, like band, journey well, with Steve Perry. Yeah, like I'm thinking bands who found success despite changing their lead singers. They really found success kind of as they changed lead singers. I, I I think I would I would question that one because I can't think of a Journey song before Steve Perry that was that would have made them a legitimate band. Okay, no, I really can't. They were around, but that's so that's where. And what's interesting is when when I was discussing this with my wife, that was our what our Mount Rushmore was going to be about. This she mentioned Journey, but she mentioned it the other way. She, oh, they still had success after yeah. Steve Perry left. I said no, nothing new though. They, they got that Filipino uh, lead singer, yeah. who, who I've heard does a great yeah. job with Steve Perry songs. But I would agree with you on that. I was thinking that they had, they didn't have the success because, or, or sustained, they were still living off of the success they had in the 70s and I, 80s. I think Journey's success was with Steve Perry starting like 79 up through like 86. That was about oh, it. Oh yeah, top. So if you tried to carve Journey into... Mount Rushmore, I would be up there with dynamite, and I would be trying, <laughs> would be blowing that thing completely off. All right, uh, uh, my next one, Black Sabbath. Okay, yeah, Black Sabbath, amazing success with Ozzy, and uh, tremendous, and then Ronnie James, James Dio. Uh, they, they, according to their record sales, they had a little skip of a beat right during the transition. Sure, 
but then record sales continued on because uh, Ronnie James Dio had a, a again. He could pull off the Aussie tracks, mm-hmm. but he had his own new stuff. Uh, and Sometimes it takes people like a little adjustment period to get, you know, this is not the real guy. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, this, is, this is decent. Yeah. If, if, if the songs are good, the lead singer it can be almost secondary. It's hard to do. I mean, it's hard to do. It's like when you think, sometimes you think of a band, you think, well, that's their identity. That's the voice. That's the band. But if a band can pull it off and make it on Mount Rushmore, like, you know, Van Halen to me was, that, I think they might have been the first group I thought of before. I think I said They were the first ACDC, group I thought of. But Van Halen actually was. Uh, and they're, they're probably the best example of half and half. You could, you could name like, I could name like, Ten and ten, probably from right. each singer. And the I'm early, just... the early Van Halen years with David Lee Roth, they did a lot of covers and made them rock covers. Okay, Dancing in the Streets. That was basically a Martha Reeves and the Van sure. Halen tune, and and, and and then Mick Jagger and David Bowie gated up in the eighties. <laughs> I was waiting for them to French kiss in that video. You know, all I can tell you is if we're, if we're thinking of songs that shouldn't have been recorded as a Mount Rushmore, I would carve that one off. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe we can do that sometime. All right, so who do who you have next? Uh, I think I'm down to, we're, I think we're down to... Uh, I've, got, I've got two more. You do? Okay. I've got, I've got two more. Chicago. Yeah, Peter Cetera. I, I like pre-Peter Cetera personally, but they did definitely find huge success. Peter Cetera was the right 80s power ballad guy for them. Was he was he power ballad? No. Was he power ballad, Paul? E or ish, one of the two. Ask. Hard for me to say. I'm sorry. You're the you're the perspiration yeah. or inspiration, whatever that. A lot of a lot like. of sap tripping. No, the the reason I think there was a there was an ideological shift in not only this group but the next group I would mention is they had an amazing horn section. Chicago yes. had a great a Saturday in the park. Crazy horn section. Does anybody really know what time it is? I mean, these were complex time signature changes. Key just like like just what's the word I want to like. incredible talent and then Peter Satira shows up with a very unique sounding voice you recognize his voice instantly and is that production value I feel like it's like just echoed layers and echoes I feel like it's not real certain bands I would say if you get a chance to see them in person uh, here's a good example if you ever get a chance to see Black Eyed Peas in person don't oh my gosh uh, my daughters wanted to go see that concert so bad so I bought tickets and I went we we left 15, 20 minutes in, the because they have such an electronic sound. It's a hundred percent studio. It can't be recreated live, and if you can't recreate your music live, your your listening yeah. audience drops off. You at least need to have some sort of entertain. You know, you need it to be like a show or visuals to make up for it. If you can't, I you're not you're the second person to tell me that that is the worst concert they've ever been to is a Black Eyed Peas concert. I, I mean, I dropped probably close to 250 bucks on that and we left 15 minutes in and when you're able to take teenage girls away from a concert without them they, yeah they, they agreed it. so that's how bad it was yeah so I, I mean but Chicago yeah uh, I would I, definitely I missed on that one yeah, Chicago I, for sure I, I would say and uh, do you have any more because I got one more if you do. I had an audio uh, or a, a, a honorable mention um, you know I put Fleetwood Mac but again did, did, did people were they big before you had uh, McVie and before you had Stevie Nicks I, I don't really I can't really answer that question big in the UK not so big so in the then US. it would probably be the way of a journey answer where it's like not known enough beforehand and I would say that Fleetwood Mac David Lee Roth didn't really come back to Van Halen he tried I don't know if you it worked Ozzy never went back to Black Sabbath obviously Bob Scott couldn't go back to ACDC but the the, the Fleetwood Mac band has always been kind of a revolving door yeah. Christine you want to go do a solo thing cool not a problem pop back with a band in three years it is a strange hey, Lindsay, dynamic Buckingham you want to write uh, soundtracks, uh, songs go, for soundtracks. Holiday Road, go ahead. Go ahead. Stevie Nicks had a, a massive uh, solo career. We had a chance to actually see them, I think it was four years ago, maybe five years ago. They put on a great show live. They still sounded great. Yeah. The whole entire band, Christine McPhee, Stevie Nicks. That's and, impressive. Yeah. They've, they've kind of gone their separate ways, like you said, come back, and, go, and, and you can, a lot of changes can happen. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put them on there, but they were. You know, my wife mentioned them too, and I said, "No, I said I think they had kind of a continued, similar, a continued success. Once it really got started, discontinued. Yeah. On. The only other one I have on the list uh, is a pop group. I guess you even call them a, a disco group. Similar to Chicago, Cool and the Gang. Yeah. Cool and the Gang. That's uh, right. And we we use one of their uh, where the one of their tracks as our lead in. Hollywood swinging, Hollywood swinging, open Sesame days. I don't know if people Sesame. know how long Cool and the Gang has been. I think the late '60s they've an been around. Amazing horn section. Another if, example of an amazing you, horn you, section. You can hear, you can hear that. Go on, listen on to their, their '70s track. stuff. And then uh, J.T. Taylor joined the band. I 
78 or 79 and that's when the whole it's fresh exciting new decade uh, stuff joanna it's too hot that's it that that became the pop ballady to to coin a solio phrase the pop ballady years they kind of followed the trend and it worked for them but then eventually they kind of hit that like mid 80s and i I think jt taylor called peter satara and said what's the best thing i can do to this band peter stairs to get rid of the horn section seriously that that's kind of because they really didn't have any i don't know uh i don't want to say any success other than Kind of bubblegum, yeah. Celebration and all those ones I listed. If you if you look at Cool and the Gang's Greatest Hits Volume Two, it's all that bubblegum, syrupy kind of junk. Kind of just went the way of the trend of the music industry, like a lot of them did. All right, so let's let's look at uh, after talking. Who who would our four be? We agree, Van Halen for sure. Van Halen for sure gets carved. ACDC, ACDC gets ACDC. carved on there. Chicago for Chicago. sure. And Genesis, or what was there one we're missing that? Well, I mean, uh, they, those are pretty much all mine. You agreed with so you. Well, ACDC and Van Halen, I had on mine as well. So we had half the same. But hearing the others, I like Chicago a lot more. I I don't know how Peter Cetera slipped my grasp after you know drinking drugs, perhaps <laughs> lack of, lack of sleep. <laughs> All of those things. Too much sugar. You know, your wife made too many, too many yeah. cakes and cupcakes and stuff. Sugar di- diabetes shock. Um, <laughs> I do have Genesis on. I think Paul's well. got the diabetes. <laughs> Them diabetes. So uh, yeah, I would I would take Journey off and put Chicago on to to amend mine. But yeah. otherwise, I have Genesis fans. If you were going to fight for Journey, we were going to fight because no, I, I don't. I'm not even Journey a Journey had, fan. I just know that they kind of became successful they found steve perry they had, they were already around that's about as much as i know as they were around for about four years so excellent so yeah i think we've uh, we've we've agreed on another mount rushmore we certainly welcome people to check out our facebook page at lsd podcast you can go to facebook you can type at lsd podcast or you could just type lighter side of dark either way you'll we find will, us we will definitely come up if you want to shoot us an email it is listener listener not listeners but listener at lightersideofdark.com. We would love to hear your feedback on any part of the show whatsoever. Uh, we, we certainly enjoy the input, good or bad. Yes. And we get a lot of this particular about Rushmore came from, from one of our listeners who suggested they would like to hear uh, who we came up with. They said they could only think of a couple, but uh, with our music. This was hard. I, I love this because it's such a specific one, and it forces a little deep digging. You know, a couple come to mind, and then it's like, then I have to think a little bit. Um, but I love it. I want, you know, I, we want the listeners to, to get involved. Speaking of listening, we're on Spotify as well, too. Yes. I don't I don't know if I mentioned that quite enough. I have been a premium subscriber to Spotify for about nine or ten years, even before I was a DJ. So to find out that, like, we can actually listen to ourselves on there. Yeah, it's easy. You go to Spotify, look for Light Inside of Dark. You can also go to Anchor Media. Anchor Media is, a, uh, is the company that... Uh, uh, they're they're paying us to advertise for them, Paul. Woo. I checked our online on wallet, up. and I won't even say it on the air because it's if we keep doing this, Paul. You know what's eventually going to happen? Okay. You and me are going to Wendy's, and we're going to the dollar menu. Oh man! Anything you want, I'm ready. The money I'm... just keeps rolling. Hey, free food is free food. What can I say? We definitely want to say thanks to a lot of our sponsors. We want to say thanks to uh, Game Show Party, uh, GameShowParty.com. 727-531-8880 if you're looking to have a game show uh, after COVID. Uh, definitely give them a, uh, a try. And uh, also My Forever Story, a great gift if you have someone in your family that has a great life story to tell. It takes less than an hour, costs under 100 bucks, and it's available as an MP3 you can listen to on your phone. Uh, Paul's going to read our other two sponsors right yes. now. Our sponsors, one of them, uh, Cuppy Cakes, our Cuppy Cakes. If you are having a party, you want to have a custom cake, or if you're getting married, or graduating, some of that. Or if you're high and just want to... Or if you're high and just need need those munchies to be satisfied. Uh, You know, it it is a... You you can't get your card now, so... Could could she put, like, little, like, marijuana leaves on the top of the cupcakes? You probably could. Like like a green... Really good after you you smoke. Um, yeah, just go to OurCuppyCakes.com and check out all their work. There's millions of pictures, it seems like. They've just done so many incredible custom cakes. Um, and my other friends over at Side Splitters Comedy Club in Tampa, Florida. Uh, once you feel comfortable getting out in public, we'll get there soon enough. And we're going to need a laugh, I know that. So go to Side Splitters Comedy Club. You can go to SideSplittersComedy.com and grab tickets online. 
or just one show of our, up. One of our favorite uh, uh, comics is going to be there, uh, Greg Hahn. Greg Hahn is... Is very oh funny. God, I've, I, I've, I've met him in person and seen him. He's live. just as he's endless energy. Tremendous. Greg, high energy and really funny from start to finish. If you've never seen Greggy, go see him. All right, well, that's going to take care of uh, episode uh, twenty-one, or if you speak Spanish, episode L two o one o. Paul, if you had fun, I always have fun. I love doing this. I, did. I didn't mean to shoot your journey. Through. No, I'm glad you. Did. I wasn't. I wasn't hundred percent on that. I was trying to think of that fourth one. Chicago was the one I was missing. All right, well, that's going to take care of episode 21 thanks for listening lighter side of dark podcast we will uh, see you back next week same bat time same bat channel paul as always it was a pleasure working with me it was a pleasure working with you <laughs> see you soon We want your special moments to include beautifully crafted and incredibly delicious cakes. Our cakes are made with the freshest ingredients and custom to your specifications. From weddings, baby showers, to sweet 16 parties, we can make a cake that will be as memorable as your special event. Check us out at OurCubbyCakes.com. That's O-U-R-C-U-P-P-Y-C-A-K-E-S.com. The Lighter Side of Dark is recorded in the Tampa Bay area, in association with RSP Productions and Solio Entertainment. Written, produced, and directed by Paul Solio and Rob Smith. Additional episodes available on multiple podcast formats. The Lighter Side of Dark claims no ownership to any audio or sound bites used in the production of this program. Opinions offered on this podcast are merely offered from a comedic standpoint, are not meant to be taken seriously, purely for entertainment purposes.